Well, peace be with you. I want to share with you uh, this quote from Leo Tolstoy, who was the great Russian novelist. This was in his confession. It's a, it's a quote which really is so very hopeless and, and shows some of the despair that he was struggling with at some point in his life. My question, which, that which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions. Lying in the soul of every man, a question without an answer to which one cannot live. It was, what will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life, why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? It can also be expressed thus, is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? Man, that is an honest quote, right? Someone struggling with hopelessness or purpose or despair in their own lives. And we could talk to other, you know, read other things from other people, different confessions. Uh, this is a question that others have had. Maybe some of you have struggled with similar questions. Uh, Arthur Miller, the novelist, um, uh, in his autobiography, talks about his uh, relationship with Marilyn Monroe and how it was degrading and everything was degrading and they were losing faith and hope and everything and how he just wished, wishes they could believe again. You know? So there's so many examples that we could find of people struggling with hope uh, and despair. And I just say that because we as God's people are fundamentally a people of hope. But if we don't reflect consciously on what that hope is, if we don't think about it and root ourselves in very proactive ways in that hope, it's easy to get overwhelmed by a sense of hopelessness or despair or to live a life without meaning. And so we're going to explore some of these big picture reasons for hope uh, today because we are continuing the series called The Beginning is Nigh. And in fact, today is the very final installment in the series. So we've been traveling through First and Second Thessalonians. And part of the reason that hope is so central to this series is because a big theme is the return of Jesus. Right? And so that little expression, the end is nigh, sometimes you see people in movies or people with placards outside of government buildings, or whatever. the end is nigh, the end of this phase of human history is nigh, judgment is near, the apocalypse is coming. And true as those statements are, it neglects the other side of the coin, which is this, when Jesus comes... He will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. This is an incredible, glorious reality. So everything wonderful and, and amazing and majestic and, and loving in God's creation, as it was originally intended to be, will be restored. And the scriptures call this the new heavens and the new earth. So Jesus will usher this in. As Revelation 21 says to us, there will be no mourning or crying or death or pain. The old order of things has passed away. He will wipe every tear from every eye. It is a glorious, glorious, majestic description. Okay? The beginning is nigh. And so probably a month, maybe a bit over a month ago, I showed a graphic to you that I hope kind of explains the kind of big picture arc of what we're talking about. And so in this graphic on the screen, on the left, you can see that's like, that's a picture that represents creation as it was originally intended to be. So wonderful, so beautiful, right? But then what happens, graphic two, is that sin and brokenness and pain and darkness come into the world. And so you see over that, you know, uh, an outline of Jesus and the number one. That represents his first coming. He comes on that rescue mission for his people to forgive and restore and renew and renovate, right? And so we are between one and two, and two represents, okay, that's, that's different. That, that world looks more like the first world because on the second coming of Jesus, represented in uh, the number two, he will bring to completion all this renewing and renovating work. 
Therefore, death will finally be vanquished. Evil, hate, pain, suffering will fully and finally be vanquished in God's creation. So this is very good, hopeful news indeed. And it's described by Jesus' apostle Peter in 2 Peter 3.13 like this. According to his, God's promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. New heavens, new earth in which righteousness dwells. What is righteousness? It is living in a way that is right before God and others. It is perfect creation for God's people, okay? So what I like to do is I'm going to superimpose two words over that graphic, presently and eventually. And this kind of factors in as to how and why we are people of hope, okay? Because we know how it will be eventually, that influences how we live presently, Right? We know these things are going to happen. It's right around the corner with the return of Jesus. Because we know what will happen eventually, love, holiness, righteousness, freedom from pain, joy, all these things, that impacts, influences how we live presently. And this informs us as a people of hope. So what we're going to do is we're going to look through the final chapter in this series. So five chapters in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 2 Thessalonians. We're finally at the end, we're gonna go through and then we're gonna reflect on some of the big picture reasons of hope for us as the people of God. And so we're gonna go through the text, 2 Thessalonians 3, if you got your Bible and you wanna open it up, that is great. Again, this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. This is in the early years, uh, less than 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. So this is in the early days. He's writing with Silas and and, uh, Timothy, but he is, He's the principal author. All right, finally, brothers, or brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. So he starts off, he's saying, hey, pray for us. I love that image, by the way, of the word of the Lord going ahead, speeding ahead, and we're going to return to that at the end. I love that. As happened among you, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. And that's just a reminder that you are doing the work of God. If you are sharing the message of God, you will receive resistance. For not all have faith, continuing verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. We need that reminder. The Lord is faithful. And Paul's asking for prayers for he and his compatriots as they do it. The Lord is faithful. In the 1500s, uh, one of the reformers named Heinrich Bullinger talking about this verse, I love it, he says uh, that the Lord, uh, the Lord is always true to himself and the truth is invincible. I love it, invincible, I love it. He will establish you or strengthen you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Now this is a great verse, Ready? May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. That is a great, great verse. The steadfastness, some translations will say perseverance of Christ. If you're looking for a new memory verse, that's a great one. It's one to live into each day and to have and wrap around you invisibly with words. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. All right, continuing verse six. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. Now this starts a longer section which is all about idleness or laziness because that's a significant problem in the Thessalonian church, okay? For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. 
But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. An intentional wordplay there, even in the Greek. Now such persons we commend and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Now, a couple of things I want to mention here. Idleness or laziness is a serious problem in the Thessalonian community, and that comes up several different times. Now, what's going on? Uh, I think we should acknowledge that uh, this is not people who can't work. This isn't referring to people who, you know, maybe there's something physically that's, you know, they've got an illness, they're struggling with something, maybe something mentally, emotionally that makes them unable to work. This is not about that. Based on the text, this is really people who are able to, who can in any other way, but are somehow not being useful and productive as a people, as a part of the community. Now, what are the reasons for that? Well, one of them is most likely because these people believe that the return of Jesus is really, really imminent. Okay, and so it's like, if you, if you thought, like, let's be honest, if you thought, if you were so convinced that Jesus is coming next week, are you going to take time out of your schedule to pay the municipal water bill? <laughs> Maybe not. What, he's going to be here. So it's not going to matter, right? So there might be some of that. They were so convinced about the imminent return of Jesus. They're like, they're just loafing on the couch. They're not being useful. They're not contributing to the needs of the people around them. Another possibility, it's really socioeconomically diverse in the community. So some people may be just relying on the wealth uh, of some people, uh, of the wealthier members of the community. That might be the case. Uh, we're not totally sure, but Paul's saying, hey, come on. Like, we need to be useful. We need to be contributing if we are able to do so. Verse 13. As for you, brothers or brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. And so he's addressed the idleness. Now he's talked to the other people. And sometimes some people are idle and other people are doing all the work. And they can grow weary in doing good. So they are doing good, this other group of people. But they are weary in doing so. And maybe some of you can relate to that. You know, you're committed. And whether it's, it's the church or in your family or in the wider world, maybe something you volunteer with, whatever it happens to be. Uh, maybe even you see your work as a certain type of ministry. And sometimes you're doing good, but you just grow weary. And so you need, you need to pause, right? You need to take care of yourself. You need to find rest. Um, the way to not hit a wall is to slow down before you get there. The way to not hit a wall is to slow down before you get there. And then Paul kind of switches gears again. Verse 14, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So again, here we need to say that he's saying, hey, we, we need to really seriously admonish some of these people who are acting this way. And he says, don't, don't, don't reject them outright. He's saying, you know, we need to be mindful of these people. Treat them as a brother, as a brother or sister in the church, but we're doing this to sort of correct their way of life and with, with some of their teaching. All right, continuing verse 16. Now we're building in a crescendo. He's coming up to the end of the letter itself. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. And in every way, I love this. This just reveals Paul's heart. He wants God's peace for them. He's not just saying, oh yeah, peace, you know, sometimes. May the Lord of peace himself, he is peace, give you peace. Sometimes, no, all times, in some ways, no, every way. The Lord be with you all. And that's a reminder of Jesus' promise to be with his people always in the Great Commission, right, in Matthew 28. Then he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness, 
in every letter of mine, it's the way I write. Now, I think that's significant because remember back in chapter 2, verse 2, there was an issue of a possible forgery going around in Paul's name, confusing all these people. And so he's like, here, this is how I write. How awesome would it have been to see the original copy of this, to actually see Paul's actual handwriting? He knows these people so intimately, like, you know my handwriting, this is me. Okay? And finally, verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. What a great way to end. This is the word of the Lord. So I was thinking about how to wrap up this series um, uh, about First and Second Thessalonians, the second coming of Christ, and being and people of hope, and this idea that the beginning uh, is nigh. I went through uh, all of First Thessalonians, those five chapters, all of Second uh, Thessalonians, those three chapters, and I wanted, what I wanted to do is highlight all the things that Paul says to them as instructions and his prayers for them. Okay, so I made a list of all these things, all these instructions that Paul has, because this is the ways that he wants them to live. Hey, if we are going to be people of hope, if Jesus is coming back, if this is really us, this is how we are going to live. And some of the prayer requests are included in there, because clearly that reveals something of his heart about how he wants them uh, to live. Now, here's the connection I think we need to make. There's an expression. Something's right around the corner. When something is right around the corner, it could come at any moment, uh, any day. It's like you're driving. Oh, something is right around the corner. It's going to happen at any moment. Now, in this situation, as we talk about the uh, return of Jesus, you know, he could come at any moment. But still, like that expression is helpful. It's right around the corner. But if Jesus is who he says he is, and he is, and if this is going to happen, and it will, and if he's going to usher in the new heavens and the new earth, and he will wipe every tear away from every eye, there will be no more mourning or crying or death or pain, then it's bright around the corner. It's right around the corner, but it's, it's bright around the corner. And this is a mentality we need to have. If Jesus is coming, and this is who he is, and if he is the light of the world, then that light is within us and we should be kindling as God's people in some sort of anticipatory, forward-looking act as his people and we behave now presently like we know how it will be eventually. And I think all the commands and the instructions that Paul gives them is a way of him saying to us, hey, because we know how it will be eventually, we want to be those people of light in the here and now because we know it's coming. It's, it's bright around the corner. Let's look at some of these. I've put together a representative list. He says, walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And that annotation system is 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 12. That's how that functions. He says, increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Why is he saying these things, right? Because we are about to go into the kingdom and glory. Abound in love, why? Because we are going to be in a reality that is perfect love all the time. Why be holy? Because the new heavens and the new earth is going to be perfect holiness all the time. Because we know how it will be eventually that influences how we live presently. It's bright around the corner. Next. It says keep awake and be sober. That theme comes up a lot, right? It's be prepared, be alert because we don't know when it'll happen. Encourage one another and build one another up, and we do so as the children of light, 1 Thessalonians 5, right? We are going to be in a reality, talk about encouragement, in the new heavens and the new earth, our minds are going to be blown with wonder and majesty. Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. In chapter 5, he said, now, 
Is that because there's going to be leaders in the church doing the same thing in heaven? No, because even that is a foreshadowing of us living under the great king and ultimate authority, God himself in the new heavens and the new earth. Because you know how it will be eventually that influences how you live presently, it's, it's bright around the corner. Warn the idle, he says, and that comes up multiple times. Right? We need to warn them. People need to be useful. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we share this good news. Encourage the faint-hearted. They're not going to be faint-hearted for long. Help the weak. Soon they're going to be in full strength and glory. Right? Be patient with them all. We all need patience. And one day we're all going to be in this new reality. Do not repay anyone evil for evil because there will be no evil in the new heavens and the new earth. Always seek to do good to another and to everyone. Why? Because there will be nothing but goodness in the new heavens and the new earth. We know how it will be eventually. Therefore, that impacts how we live presently. It's bright around the corner. Rejoice always because there there will be nothing but rejoicing. Pray without ceasing. Pray. We'll be, be able to speak to God in his very presence. Give thanks in all circumstances. Every reason for thankfulness will just wash over us all the time, all day. Do not quench this spirit. The spirit will just be so active and powerful and alive and present in the new heavens and the new earth. Be undeniable, holy and blameless. See, all these things, these things that we are to live in this way now, Why this, this is a foreshadowing of that ultimate reality. Because we know how it will be eventually that influences how we live presently. It's bright around the corner. Next slide. Fulfill every resolve, he says, for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. Don't be quickly shaken, he writes, in mind or alarmed by false teaching about Jesus because God's promises come true. Trust the word. Next. Stand firm. Hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, right? These are the promises that are true that tell us about that ultimate reality. He says also in chapter 2, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. He says in chapter 3, the love of God will be a perfect fullness display. The steadfastness of Christ will be wrapped around in the steadfastness of Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. And so because we know how it will be eventually that inspires us to live a certain way presently, it's bright around the corner. Next, warn people who are going astray as a brother or sister. Why? Because we want these people to share in this reality. Do not grow weary in doing good because in the new heavens and the new earth there will be nothing but good. And when we do good in the here and now, that is a foreshadowing. That is an, an anticipatory act because we know how it will be eventually that influences how we live presently. It's bright around the corner. So Jesus, my friends, is coming. And that influences how we live in the here and now. We are to be people of hope. And that's not to say that we don't have things that drag us down and things that maybe cause us to despair once in a while. Maybe we relate to Tolstoy's quote, which is why we need to proactively remind ourselves what reality is and where we are going. And that is it, it is, in fact, bright around the corner. So here's how I want to end this uh, series. As you can tell, I've got this uh, little chart paper up here. And... Um, uh, with this, I'm going to return to verse 1 that we started with. And so it says, finally, and this is a different translation than the one we just used, but finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be honored or glorified. I love this, okay? And what I want to pull out from this is this idea that the word of the Lord does things. 
it runs, it goes ahead of God's people, okay? Now, we live in a time that devalues words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words went, well, that's a lie. Um, you know, actions speak louder than words. Maybe sometimes, but with God, words, his words actually do things. They are physical actions. Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light, right? So God's word does things. Another place this comes up is Psalm 147. I love this. Um, he sent his command to the, to the earth, and his word runs swiftly. It's like the word of God, the commands of God are like a gazelle going through the land. A couple verses later, God uh, speaks his word and makes the winds blow and the waters flow. Um, in Acts 18.5, the apostle Paul says he is seized by the word. Something is going on and he can't see, but he, he is seized by the, the word does things. And so what we need to see in this prayer is that he's saying, hey, pray that the word may run swiftly in front of us, so the word like clears the path, okay? So here's a good way to think about it in military language. There is something called an advance party. And so an advance party is a smaller troop that goes out ahead of the main troop, maybe into uncertain territory, maybe even into hostile territory, and that advance troop clears the way, preparing the ground for the larger troop as they come along. The word of God is the advance party for the people of God. And so what's on this chart is this is a prayer. And I just think it would be appropriate for us to, to end the series like this. Um, I'm going to take a couple days off. There's a lot going on this weekend. Uh, Monday and Tuesday I won't be around. But I'm going to spend uh, time praying. And this is what I'm going to pray. And it's inspired by this series. And this is just all uh, in the service of encouraging us to be people of hope, to keep these big picture things in mind. It says, Lord God Almighty, and this is based on what we've read so far, I pray that your word may run ahead of dot, 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 and be honored so that evil is cleared from their path, that they grow in hope, and that their heart is directed toward your love and the steadfastness of Christ. Would you like that prayed for you? Probably. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to leave this up here, and there's some markers up here, and I invite you to write your name on here. I'm not going to, it's not going to go online or anything like that. It's just going to be here. I'm going to take this when it's all done, and I'm just going to take it home, and I'm going to put it on my wall, and over the next couple of days, I'm going to pray through every single person, and maybe it's you, and maybe there's someone you care about, someone you love, someone who's in trouble, someone who needs this type of prayer, and we're going to put it here and pray for them. And not only am I going to do that, but I encourage you to pray for everybody else as we are ignited as ambassadors of hope. Lord God Almighty, I pray that your word may run ahead of so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, and that word be honored so that evil is cleared from their path. Do we want this? That they grow in hope and that their heart is directed toward your love, God, and the steadfastness of Christ. Friends, Jesus is coming back. The beginning is nigh. He will wipe every tear from every eye. There will be no mourning or crying or death or pain for the old order of things has passed away and the one seated on the throne, as we are told in Revelation 21, will make all things new, including you. All right. Because we know how it will be eventually, that influences how we live presently, it's bright around the corner. Thanks be to God. Amen.